0: How many of you have sat around and wondered what it would be like if you won the lottery, right? I know it, uh, maybe a couple of years ago, the lottery was like the biggest that had, had ever been. And uh, there's, you know, just an unlimited amount of things that you could think about. Or maybe you've thought about, well, uh, you know, I'm not playing the lottery. That's, you know, devil's work. What if my uh, uncle, long lost uncle I've never met, left me millions of dollars. What would I do then? I thought for sure the baby dog was going to hook me up this, this last couple of months, but it didn't happen. But I asked Tori what her dream home would be if something like that happened. And this is what she said. She said, all one level, like she's, she's dreaming big, right? All one level. Laundries by the bedroom, right? The big porch, one acre yard that's flat, which is a commodity here in West Virginia. Four beds, three baths, all wood floors, TV in the kitchen, which is a big deal apparently, hot tub on the back deck, a detached mother-in-law suite. I'm not sure why it needs to be detached. You could ask her about that. Uh, and then a greenhouse in the yard, that she can, you know, grow plants and do all that kind of stuff. That was her dream house that she described. And we could probably all sit around and list characteristics of what a dream house might look like for us. I personally would love grass that mows itself, uh, maybe an elevator, a movie theater. We could, we could list all types of things. So let's think about, in a similar vein, let's think about what a dream church would look like. That's what we're going uh, to be talking about this Sunday and next Sunday, a dream church. Tori and I have visited lots of churches over the years. I'm sure you have too. We went to one that had a coffee shop and a play place that was open all week uh, for the community with tubes and everything. Uh, and it was a really homey and a nice feeling. It was a really cool thing. And they had, that church had all types of programs, every single program that you could ever think of. Tori and I have also been to North Point Church and it stands out there and they have this like whole city for their kids. And uh, it's these uh, facades, and it just looks amazing. It's so cool, their kids' ministry. And then we've also toured, like, big, beautiful churches, like the 83,000-square-foot Washington nat- uh, national, national Cathedral uh, in Washington, D.C. The ceilings are, I don't know, it seems like 300 feet tall. And there's every stained-glass window is different, and it depicts a scene And there's even one that's like about the Apollo 13 or something like that. And it's like a space scene and there's a rocket ship in it. It's crazy. It's awe-inspiring. And we could go to big and fancy churches and think, that's really cool. And we can look at other churches and see their programs and see what they have to offer and think, I want that. Like, I wish we had that. And we can all be there. Over the past couple years, I've been wondering about the American church and wondering if we're on track, wondering if the way that we're doing things is actually the most effective way and also actually the most biblical way. But I'm not just burdened about the American church. I'm also burdened about asking the question, what does God want for Clarksburg Baptist Church? It's easy to think about our dream church and what it could look like, right? Beautiful, comfortable sanctuary, never too hot, never too cold. Everybody has a personal air conditioner right, right on them, right? And the sermon is preached and it's always uplifting and it always talks to me directly and what I'm going through and what I'm struggling with. There's a tall, handsome pastor that's funny and always on point, always says hi to me and it says exactly the right thing that I need to hear. No church conflict because everyone agrees 100% of the time. And we can look at that. It's hard for us to, uh, you know, live up to that picture of what a church could be. But that's okay because I don't think that's what God's dream for this church looks like. And I also don't think it's God's goal for Clarksbury Baptist Church to have an 83,000 square foot sprawling cathedral on West Pike Street. Pre-COVID statistics showed that nearly 89% of our state is unchurched. That's a big number, right? And if that's correct, that would mean 1,602,000 West Virginians were unchurched. Now, what that means is it means they either uh, don't attend church at all or rarely attend church. That's a lot of people, and that's pre-COVID. Add to that the people who left our churches during COVID and haven't returned or have no plans to return. That's heartbreaking, right? And it's so much more than the fact that, you know, maybe people are fishing on Sunday morning. What it really means is that children are growing up with no knowledge of who Jesus Christ is. People are ending their lives and suffering from drug abuse because they have no hope for any change in the future. Husbands and wives are building their lives on something that will not last. See, the church is not reaching the unchurched in our state. According to LifeWay Research, church transfer growth accounts for 90% of the growing churches in America. And there are some good reasons sometimes to leave one church for another, but it shouldn't be the only way that a church grows. Now, obviously, being unchurched doesn't mean uh, that someone is unsaved or not a follower of Jesus. But whether a Jesus follower or not, we are not made to walk alone. And church community is essential for us. To belong to a larger group of believers is something that Jesus died for. He gave us the church. So on this first Sunday of 2022, what am I trying to say? We're missing people. People all around us. People that need what we have. There are 67,000 people in Harrison County. And if that stat holds true, 89% of them are unchurched. So what do we do about it? What are God's dreams for our church? I'd like to propose to you that our system is flawed. Things that have worked in the past don't work now. And some of these things were wonderful at one point, but our culture has changed. Let me give you three real quick approaches, excuse me, four approaches that churches have to reach their communities. Four outlooks that we go out into the world with. And these were taught to us at uh, the West Virginia Baptist Convention at our annual meeting this year. That's where these pictures come from. But four approaches that churches have to reach their community. This is the first one. The first approach here is that the city knows that our church is here, right? And if they want to, they will come to us. City's over here, we're over here, and if they want to, they will come to us. I'll go back to the other one. we haven't built the bridge quite yet, Valerie. Thank you, though. And this is how a lot of churches operate, right? They'll scale whatever they need to. They'll cross the river to get to where we are because they know we are here. And this makes sense to us. But many of us grew up in church. And it makes sense to us because uh, we've always gone somewhere on Sunday. Or if we missed, then we felt guilty about it. The music makes sense. The sermon makes sense. The Christian words like blessed and amen. Those things don't weird us out because we've grown up with that. It makes sense. But 89% of the people in our county may not have that same experience that we have. For many, going to church does not even cross their mind. And there's a big gap between the church and the community, and it's not that easy to cross. So here's picture number two. You can send that up there, Val, now. So here's another approach the churches have. Well, We're over here, and the people are over here. They have really no idea why we're even here. They just see the old building, and they think it's kind of pretty, and they just keep driving. You'd be surprised how many people I've lived here five years, and I've told people that I work at Clarksburg Baptist Church, I'm a pastor at Clarksboro Baptist Church, and they say, where is that? Smack dab in the middle of town, on a big corner, right by where the old post office used to be. And, they, and the, it doesn't even cross their mind to come in the doors of a church like this. So here's what we do next. We say, okay, well, then we'll build a bridge, right? We'll invite those people in and we'll make the church more approachable, more welcoming for people that didn't grow up in church or maybe were hurt by the church. We'll update the music some. We might dress a little bit more casual. We'll do our best to close the gap between the church and the people. Why? Because we love our community and we want to reach them. And all these ideas are good but it still doesn't make people walk through the doors. Why? Because church isn't even on their radar. And we can make church a little bit more welcoming, but making it more welcoming doesn't make them want something that they don't even know they need. So here's approach number three. Okay, well, we'll give them a reason to come, right? We'll give them a reason to come and we'll uh, try and get the community's attention with events and we'll help them see that we're here. And maybe then they'll cross over this bridge to come to where we are. Trunk or treat and, and bringing big bands in and making it a show, making sure a kid gets a balloon at the end of the service, making sure we have the best coffee in town. Again, some of these things are good things. And I enjoy these things. I love our coffee here, right? But some also aren't really working to turn unchurched people into Jesus followers. So here's picture number four. And this is the last approach. And this actually is a really, really old way to do church. A way to do church before there were even buildings. Like the first couple hundred years of uh, the New Testament church before there were programs, before there were flower committees. It's when the church trained and equipped people to go to the community and be the church there. And this was before we had a consumer mentality about what a church was. Church wasn't a place that I went to to get served and to get attention. Church was a community of people, a movement that got so excited about who Jesus was that they just had to go and tell someone. And they loved the people around them at their jobs, in their neighborhoods, enough to serve them and to care for them and to pray with them and to speak scripture to them and to bear their burdens. And no, they didn't have doctorates or theology degrees. They just had one sermon, Jesus. And they realized that they were the preachers. Picture number five shows what the church outside the walls uh, might look like. Yes, some might cross the bridge. And no one's ever saying that we shouldn't have this thing over here. But we've got to go to the people. Because there's some people that will never, ever, ever, ever cross those bridge, this bridge here. There's some people that will never come in these doors. And unless we're resigned to the fact that 89% of the people in our state we will never reach, then we've got to go to them. Maybe it's through... Uh, interests that we have with people like golf or sports or something like that. Creating a community of people and then speaking the gospel into those situations. Not just to get them to pray a prayer or something like that, but to love them and to be there for them and to care about them and to pray with them and to live life with them. Maybe it's the people on your street, in your neighborhood. Maybe it's the people that you see at the coffee shop that you go to. It's going outside the walls, And it's awesome. We're going to get excited when people come back to the building. And that's going to be awesome. But we can reach those that won't ever come in. Sunday morning might not make sense to 89% of the people in our state. But I guarantee that someone caring about them, supporting them, cheering them on in life praying with them that makes all the sense in the world to everybody every member is a missionary and the great thing about it is you are already on your mission field you don't have to go and learn a new language and raise support you just have to do your best to be led by the holy spirit and open your eyes to the fact that there are people around you that need Jesus Christ. And they might even be Christians, but they're not connected to a community of believers. we just got to work towards looking more like Jesus every day and speaking the words of Christ to the people that you cared about. Christ left us a mission in Matthew twenty-eight eighteen, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Jesus says the authority to send you, the authority to command you. God has given me that authority. I share that authority. And next he tells us a command. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and then teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. But he doesn't send us alone. He says, behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Go and make disciples, baptize them, teach them to go themselves. And what is a disciple? A disciple is a learner who seeks to be like the one that he is following. Make disciples is not a suggestion from Jesus here. It's a command, just like the command to not commit adultery. That's a command, and so is, go and make disciples. And if Clarksburg Baptist Church, if Phil Wayman, if, insert your name here, isn't making disciples, then we're not accomplishing the mission. But we don't have to do it alone. Christ is with us always. And you might say, well, I can't, I don't have the words to say. I don't have the the, the theology all figured out. But you do have the Holy Spirit, right? And do you have enough faith to say that if I'll step out, that God will give me what I need to be able to do what he sent me to do? This is our co-mission. We do this mission together with Christ. We do this mission together with each other. Well, Jesus, what is the number one thing? This uh, may a great commandment for us to remember as we're going. Give us a little bit more instruction. We're going to go, but what do we do next? Matthew twenty two thirty seven, Jesus tells us, and he said to him, "Here's this great commandment. This is what you should do as you're going. You should love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love God." love people, and go. The great commandment, the great commission, or another way to say it is to gather together and worship and love God, grow together and live in community with one another, and give on mission together like it makes a difference. The great commandment is to love God with all that we are, with all our heart and soul and mind, and love our neighbor like we love ourselves. To treat others like we want to be treated. To think about others more and about ourselves not as much. The great commandment and the great commission. Love God. Love people. And go. Christ is our leader and these are our marching orders. This is God's dream for Clarksburg Baptist Church. Each of us. Individually. And corporately, loving God, loving people, and going. But we've been content to stay and say, why aren't the people coming to us? And that's not working. The American church has been in decline since its peak around 1958. The last two decades, it's fallen at a much steeper rate. And it's not because the gospel is any less beautiful. Don't believe the lie that people don't want Jesus anymore. They're just not crossing the gap. We've got to take him outside the walls of our church. Tony Funk, I love that name. I wish it was mine. Tony Funk, he said a really good thing though. Here. It says, good people using bad systems will never produce good results. Hey, we can be the best and we can be the most sincere, but what if we have the wrong system? What if we aren't fulfilling our mission as the church? A lot of times the first thing we think of when we're like, well, why aren't more people here? We're like, well, we need a bigger building. We need a different location. The pastor's incompetent. The people moved away. And all those things can be true. But rarely do we start with the church isn't fulfilling the mission because I'm not doing it. And this is where a new church plant has an advantage over a church that's 175 years old. Tori and I helped start a church in 2008 in Missouri. And there was an urgency there. We had 20 people that knew that if we didn't do the mission, it wasn't going to get done. And, and we knew that if we didn't give to the church, the church would crumble. We wouldn't be able to make it. If we didn't volunteer, then there would be no volunteers. But when a church is as old as our church, we begin to believe that we did our time and that someone else can do it or we can join in and, and become a, a, a part of a body and be like, well, it was here when I got here. I guess they're doing Okay. I've been serving for a long time. Someone else can take care of it. It's time for me to retire. I told some coworkers about Jesus 10 years ago. I did my part. And that's the danger in having any organization that lasts decades. It's like a group of people trying to push a wagon full of rocks up a hill. And at first, eight people are pushing that wagon all together, and the wagon is moving beautifully. But gradually, one by one, the people get tired, and they get inside the wagon. And at the very end, one person is pushing that wagon up the hill, and they're killing themselves, and they're burning out. And what we need is the people in the wagon to get out of the wagon and to help push not just for the sake of busyness, but for the sake of pushing the kingdom of God out into our community and taking the light with them and finding a place where hope is lacking and showing the love of Jesus. We need an urgency for the gospel to love God, to love people, and to go. Staying and hiding inside our church building is not working. You can't drive a block in this city without seeing a church or a building that used to be a church. And what's going to keep us from getting in that position? When we get content to sit inside our walls and to decorate things beautifully and to not worry about the fact that we aren't reaching unchurched people. Not just for the sake of perpetuating this thing called Clarksboro Baptist Church. But for the fact that there is a dark world outside that needs the hope of Jesus Christ. For the gospel to move forward, you must take steps. At this year's West Virginia Baptist Convention, we heard some people in our state that are doing this. They're taking church outside the walls, they're going to their sphere of influence and worshiping and living in community and doing mission together so i want to show you these three examples of what this might look like in your life and these are people in our state connected to our churches there's just a few ways that we can do these real short videos but i wanted to show these to you
1: my name is rodna blaine and i work at uh, charleston area medical center in the neonatal intensive care during the first months of the pandemic rich and i took lots of walks and we discussed about being the church in different ways than what we're used to and into the pandemic i had noticed a lot of my co-workers struggling coming to work uh, very exhausted navigating school online school with their kids during the day and just coming to work very stressed and so um, I had come across this book by Rebecca Lyons called uh, Rhythms of Renewal, trading your stress and anxiety for a life of peace and purpose. And so in November, I just got on our GroupMe app and I put it out there asking if anyone would like to do a, a Christian book study with me. And I got about seven responses and it ended up being about 16 of us it went really well people were very excited about it and so we ended up doing another study we uh, started a Facebook group and we are up to about 40 44 people and actually I need to put out a new invitation to everyone because we have new people and some turnover happening in our unit but as of now the Facebook group um, everyone's sharing prayer concerns and praises and sharing music and encouraging quotes and um, so we're constantly communicating through the Facebook. Rich and I were on one of our walks one day and I uh, was telling him about how one of the girls was posting um, music and she said she can't sing but she'll be our worship leader and she, she loves music and then someone else invited five people to our group in one day and so we were saying that she's like our outreach coordinator and so rich said you know what you have here is a microchurch and um, he said that's what it is because it has those three components of um, worship community and um, mission and so we really are a community we're a pretty close-knit community and our mission field as our families, our babies, our, our each other. Um, it's a very stressful place to work and we are with some of these families in the darkest moments of their lives and we need to bring light into this dark place. And this is one of those beautiful things that was birthed out of the pandemic. I don't think it would have happened any other way. So now I just think I'm convinced that God just laid this out here and and this is one of those things that um, it's like a beauty from ashes thing. You know, God just said, "Okay, this is here." It is, and I just said, "Okay, God, I'll ask." And and here we are.
2: My name is Jeff Biddle, and I am the pastor of New Hope Community Church, which is on the west side of Charleston, West Virginia. We're a church plant. We're about three years old. And we're here at Layley Field, which is the home field for Capitol High School's football team. And uh, the way our church started had a lot to do with sports ministry. I was asked to help out with the Capitol High School football team, Uh, We brought meals and some things that community people will sometimes do. So we had a a few people, a few players on the team who were really passionate about their faith. And we ended up having this funny tradition emerge where uh, they did that in this Chinese restaurant. They would say, okay, Jeff, I got a friend. He's he's ready. Can you explain how to be saved to my friend? And we would go to this Chinese restaurant and uh, pretty soon we had baptized dozens of football and basketball players and uh, it grew into something um, where they were young disciples really needing a a church home to grow in. And we ended up founding New Hope Community Church Uh, and growing from there to the point where a lot of those original people um, have become leaders in their own right. And uh, we found that sports ministry is a way, it's a good leadership development tool. Uh, Churches need to be thinking ahead about uh, the leadership of the next generation. And we've also found that sports is important uh, in what you might call trauma healing. Uh, you have so many people say, I played football, I have played basketball, it, it helped me with my anger, it, it helped me be more emotionally stable, and uh, there's more science behind why it works that way now, but a lot of young people find it a place where they can uh, work through things like conflict in a, in a safe way and, and grow from past experiences that have, that have hurt them uh, into more stable adults. And we found that ministry goes hand-in-hand with that, growing into the disciple that Jesus wants you to be, to be the best version of yourself, the most like Jesus Christ. Uh, Sports offers you so many ways to to grow into that safely while having a chance to be around mentors, having a chance to make mistakes. Um, And it's produced a whole lot of fruit in our community working that way.
3: My name is Rodney Michael Seitz. I go to First Baptist Church, Petersburg and I am the chaplain here at the Petersburg Volunteer Fire Company. He lifts us up Uh, with the services and stuff that he does here.
1: He does more, he goes above and beyond in my opinion. Whether it's at the fire scene helping another firefighter, because he, as well as a line officer also, he's a lieutenant too. It doesn't matter where you are or who you're around, you know you can always come to Rodney.
3: It was nice having Rodney as a chaplain here because he's one of us. He's the firefighter and brother right there beside you. So he kind of sees what you go through firsthand. Makes it a little bit easier to talk to somebody like him. And some of the guys, they just don't like to go walk into a church. It's just an uncomfortable feeling for them. And here, they're comfortable. You get it from the regular brick-and-mortar stick-built church, and you're bringing it into where they feel comfortable. They can be their self more like, I think things run a little smoother with the guys, and once again it gives them somebody that they can talk to, they trust a little bit more, and it gets some of the guys that's not involved in church involved in it a little more. I usually yeah, I don't go to church normally. Me and my wife normally try to go to church when we can, but it works out good here, because we'll come down on Sundays when he wants to do it here, and I think it's a good thing. And for me, For me and my wife personally, plus I think it's a good thing for the fire company. I think it helps bring us all together. Getting them to gospel truth is... And you can. And it's really amazing, since I've started here, the ones that is starting to get it and watching the wheels starting to turn and God working their life. I enjoy what I do here as a chaplain for the Fire Company. Uh, I just enjoy talking about God. And these guys here, here will vouch for that also.
0: <clears throat> Over the course of, I don't know, however long I've been in full-time Christian service, whatever you want to call it. I've had so many people come to me at different times and say, hey, I wish you could start something at my job. I wish you could start something at the school I work at. I wish I could start something uh, in my community. And I think that's the idea that we have, right? That my job, my community, my people need something, so I'm going to ask somebody else. But what if that realization that the people that you're around need something and someone to come into their community and to show the love of Christ is not an opportunity for you to pass the ball to someone else? What if that's a call from God for you? When you say, "My, I'm not equipped, I'm not equipped for the problems that we have today. Suicide and, and abuse and hurt and pain. They didn't teach me that stuff in seminary either. So either we can, as a group, find out how we can help people and see people that need something and learn how to help them, then we can see amazing things happen like we just saw on the screen. These are all instances where people were where they were at, What they were already doing, and they didn't pass the buck on to someone else, and then the ball got fumbled, but they decided that I'm going to do something here. And this is how we reach unchurched people, people that that don't have the hope that we have. There are places that this is happening. We had uh, some life groups that uh, sprouted up virtually over the last two years that you might not have ever even heard about. And a lot of them are with people that, uh, you know, the, the, the leader goes to our church, but the other people aren't even people that maybe are even in our state. That's awesome. We also have something that is amazing that's called Celebrate Recovery here, right? That does this, that meets people where they're at. And not everybody has a theology degree that shares with somebody, but they love Jesus and they're doing their best to walk alongside people that they have something in common with. Pre-COVID statistics showed us that nearly 89% of our state is unchurched. 1,600,000 West Virginians pre-COVID did not have a community of people like this. Add to that the people that left our churches during COVID and haven't returned or have no plans to return. See, there's a million things that a church can do to stay busy. We can have activities and programs for every segment of the population. But the problem with that is then we break our backs trying to staff those things with volunteers. But another way to do it A much older way to do it is you can go. You can go to where you're already at. You can go and bring church to the people in your sphere of influence, worshiping together, living in community together, living on mission together, taking the church to where people are, living gospel outside these walls. You say, well, Pastor Phil, ain't nobody going to listen to me because I don't live the right life. Those people weren't going to come to church either. If you're living something opposite of what the gospel says, then get that right. Go apologize to who you need to apologize to and start living it outside the walls. We can be busy. That's easy. But we can be busy about all the wrong things. You finding a group of unchurched people in the community and gathering together, growing together and giving together like never before, finding people with similar interests or things in common and sharing Christ. That is God's dream for this church, a church on the move towards the people that need this message of hope. And this is how we reach a changing world. The church is no longer the center of society. And we can mourn that or we can go. The way we're doing it isn't working. They describe these little segments of community that they built in the hospital and at the fire station and on the sports field as microchurches. And that word might sound weird to you and that's okay. But all that means is it's a place where people worship Jesus and they are living community with one another, and live life together, and they serve, and they're on mission together. So where is your micro church? Is it at the school? Is it on your street? The coffee shop that you're working out of? The gym that you go to? It starts with you caring about people, loving God, loving people, and going. So who are the people that you're sent to minister to? And maybe you've been doing that, right? Maybe you've been doing this this whole time. I would love to hear about it. I'd love to learn from you. And I'd love to celebrate with you and celebrate with the church that this is happening somewhere where people are being ministered. And you might say, well, Pastor Phil, they're never going to step through those doors. Awesome. You found them out there. That's great. Every member is a missionary. Jesus is the sermon. You are the preacher. Don't make it too complicated. For the gospel to move forward, you need to take steps. So what are we going to do? What if we dreamed God's dream for Clarksburg Baptist Church? Loving God, loving people, and going. The great commandment and the great commission. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Well, Pastor Phil, you work at a church. You take a check from a church. People don't ever come here. That might mean something happens different. But we can protect ourselves. Or we can love Jesus more than anything else in this world and want to see people come to him and give him glory and change their lives. God has given us this mission to do together. And the way that we're doing it isn't working. And you can shout at the darkness and get mad about it and you can say all those people out there are going to hell in a handbasket. Or you can take a light to them. And you can realize that people without the hope of Jesus Christ are going to be selfish and they're going to do things that aren't right. The gospel comes first. So who are you called to? Who are the people that you're called to minister to? Where's your mission field? Dear Jesus, as we think about these heavy thoughts that we've talked about this morning, God, I pray that this isn't just another go to church, go home, never change Sunday. I pray you put on us a burden so heavy that we cannot deny it. God, I pray you begin to open our eyes to the people that are around us. God, I pray you show us a different way that we're the church and that we need to go. And if it's not happening, we need to ask, am I doing it? God, I pray for for my life, God, that you make these opportunities so obvious to me and, and help me to jump into them. God, I pray you help us to be a church that loves you more than anything else, more than the way that we do things, more than the tradition or the history. God, I pray you help us to love people and that we'll be willing to sacrifice our time and our resources to show love to those people. God, and I pray you give us the motivation to go, to not be content to stay, put a holy unrest in our souls for when we're not fulfilling the mission. God, break our hearts of stone, kill the apathy in our hearts and in our lives.